Gracious and loving God, as we approach your scripture this morning, Lord, I ask that you put me behind the cross, that your words and your thoughts would be mine. And Lord, if I misspeak today, forgive me. Let your message be heard in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I was just thinking about it. I just want you all to know, I have those kids right where I want them. <laughs> so a great storyteller once said, of his, said one of his favorite stories was about a chicken and a pig who encountered a hungry man beside the road. Moved with compassion, the chicken says to the pig, why don't you and I go together? And give this man a great ham and egg breakfast. The pig thought about it for a little while. And then replied, for you that would be a contribution. But for me that would mean total commitment. <laughs> People tend to shy away from total commitment. If you join me in your, in your Bible, let's turn to James 5. That's back toward the back. We're going to be verses 13 through 15. James 5, 13 through 15. It's just almost Revelation. It says, I don't want to go too fast. Are any among you suffering? Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful, they should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick, they should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. So I call today's message praying for each other. So total commitment. The Christian life is total commitment, right? It's the complete giving of yourself for the gospel message and for the mission of the church. We established last week that when the word of God is applied to our lives, it convicts us of our sins and of our failings. It, it, it points us to something greater that is possible as it reveals the deep motives of our hearts. And as it begins to do this, we commit to obeying what God reveals to us by taking action. This whole book of James is a book of action. Our response is obedience. The Christian life is obedience. It is devotion to God. God wants us to set ourselves apart from this world, to remove ourselves from the ordinary, to make a personal commitment to be active and part of the body of Christ. We've had several folks joining uh, lately. I think my mom has joined us today. She's going to join the church this morning. And they make a personal commitment when we join of our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness to the work of God through the body of Christ, right? Through the church. We all say we're going to commit to doing this because it's important to us. Jesus gives us the power to do good and worthwhile things. 
And Jesus gives us the power to fulfill our commitments. And with Christ at our side, we can even begin to talk about total commitment. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see, we, we are called to make a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, a sacrifice to God, and then we pray. And then we pray. We pray for ourselves. So when we make a personal reflection, we, we know that, there, that we are always in need of prayer. You and I are always in need of prayer on our own. And no person can reach their full potential without prayer. Great leaders of the Bible prayed for their needs. Joshua prayed for guidance. Hannah prayed for a child. Solomon prayed for wisdom. Joseph prayed for understanding. Peter prayed for vision. They just sat down and had a little talk with Jesus, didn't they? They asked me to work that in if I could. We cannot do what we are called to do unless we are people of prayer. The great leaders of the Bible also prayed for others, right? Moses prayed for the children of Israel. And we pray for each other, those who are broken and lost. Because during times of suffering, when your soul is broken, it, it's hard to pray for yourself. We need the faithfulness of our brothers and sisters and the comfort of knowing that y'all are in prayer for me, right? That others are in prayer for you. So let our prayers be full of compassion and understanding. We want to be a people that pray for each other. We want to pray for the church. And that means this local church and the church universal, the Holy Catholic Church. I thank God every day for the privilege of being here to minister and to serve with you, alongside you. And it is by your prayers that we will be able to continue to serve. Maybe to continue to change lives in this community. Church is the place where we come to meet God and we need the prayers of people to be strengthened for our work. We pray for the worldwide church. That we might stand against the forces of evil and injustice, whatever that looks like. And my ideas of evil and injustice might be different than your ideas of evil and injustice. And that's the beauty of it, folks. Just because I don't think the same as you and you don't think the same as me doesn't mean that I'm wrong or that you're wrong. It was Wesley that said, think and let think. It's also Wesley that said, and I told you all a few weeks ago, I think, when you're building the doors of the church, don't make them so low that you have to take your head off to go inside. Wesley wanted us to think. Think about the folks who are gathering this morning right now with us afraid of being caught and going to prison afraid of being caught and being killed for their beliefs we need to pray for them prayer's a weapon 
Prayer is our weapon. The Lord said to keep the Sabbath day holy. When we gather together and pray with the body, our prayers become mighty. We are better together. Matthew 18 reads, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. And 2 Chronicles 7 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Sam Chadwick wrote, The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, and he mocks at our wisdom. But he trembles when we pray. There isn't one minute of one day, any day, where we aren't faced with this spiritual war that's going on, good versus evil. It's always on, and we all need to be in prayer at all times. Like the kids were saying, anywhere, all places, everywhere. God isn't going to command something to us that isn't possible. God will enable us for our prayer to be effective. We may not physically pray words of God to every minute of every day, but we can live in the spirit of prayer that constantly talks with God and remembers God's presence among us. We seek out the opportunities that God gives us. Ephesians 3.12 says, In whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in Him. You know, when it, when it seems like life is falling apart, we pray, right? Sometimes it's a desperate prayer. But when life is going well and things are good, we pray. We know that we don't need a, a go-between, don't we? We know as Christians that we can go straight to God. Jesus is our intercessor. We can go straight to God with our worries, and with our, our joys, with our concerns, with our brokenness. There is power in confessing our sins to God. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We, we need to believe those words of forgiveness from God. We need to know that when we talk to God and then when we ask forgiveness that we are. That's the problem with some folks is we ask for forgiveness and then we can't allow that forgiveness to take our lives. We still are stuck in the worry and the shame of that sin. Whenever we hide our sin, it grows. But when we expose our sin and we hear the healing words of God declaring forgiveness, sin loses its power. And it loses its power over us. Proverbs 28, 13 reads, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. We, we need a place to come 
to pray. We need, we need this church. We need a place where people can come and meet God and work through their sin. A place where they can be prayed for without people needing to know the details. I need a place to come where I can pray without you knowing the details. The church should be a place where we take care of people who are struggling. A place where people can be transparent and vulnerable. The place that's a safe place to share with one another our, our deepest problems and where we can find healing through prayers of others. And for the people who, who watch online who haven't been here in a while, who haven't had a chance to join us, I know that you see some people here that seem like they have it all together. I'm going to let you in on a secret. We don't. We all struggle and we all sin and we all fall short. But we come together in our brokenness to create this place where the Spirit of God can work in our midst and heal us. We need each other. We need people close to God who know how to pray. But being effective in praying is not just just throwing your desires and your needs out to God. We have to believe first in the God who we pray to and what it is that we are praying about. There's a sense of expectancy when we pray. We have to make effort. Our praying needs to be pursued with energy and courage, right? The Bible calls prayer sometimes crying out to God. In Romans, prayer is called groaning. It's a, prayer is a heart cry to God. It's a, it's a heart cry for God to move in a situation that we know can't have movement without God. This, this earnest prayer, this fervent prayer takes concentration and effort and energy and time. And the people who accomplish the most with prayer are the ones who spend the most time in prayer. Martin Luther said, I am so busy now that if I did not spend three hours each day in prayer, I could not get through the day. And John Wesley said, I have resolved to devote an hour each morning, noon and evening to prayer. No pretense, no excuse whatsoever. It's no doubt that these men accomplished great things. There are women that have accomplished great things too. I didn't have any to reference right away. I'm sorry. I'd say Mother Teresa was probably a person that's done the most for all people. She's wonderful. If we keep praying and we don't give up, God's going to answer. And I don't, I don't know why God seems to answer quickly sometimes and God answers slowly sometimes. We don't have a reason for that. But I do know that God answers. God answers what's most good for us. Dr. A.C. Dixon said, when we depend upon organization, we get what organization can do. And that is something. When we depend on our, upon our preaching, we get what our preaching can do. And that is something. When we depend on money, we get what money can do. And that is something. When we depend on education, we get what education can do. And that is something. But when we depend on prayer, 
we get what God can do. And that is what we all need, what God can do. Prayer can change the world, friends. Pray for your neighbors. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.